This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Shorewinder.com. Hey guys, Ryan here with Torch Talk Podcast. Did you know that I also run a marketing agency with the absolute best crew? I keep hearing from other garage door companies how their SEO company or their web design company is just not cutting it. We never hear that here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we work really, really hard for you door guys out there. Check us out, suchandsuchmedia.com. You got the pricing and everything right on the website. Full transparency. And we're going to work really hard because you are the champion of your story. And we just want to be a small part of your success and celebrate it with you. Great customer service. Amazing web design. Phenomenal SEO. It's going to get you ranked. Give us a shout such and such media.com. Uh, we have Rankin and Paul. I, um, I want to just say before we jump into the, uh, panel discussion, how grateful I am that you guys are even willing to participate in this because, um, it wasn't easy finding someone to participate. Um, so good for you guys. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so we were your last choice. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, we went everywhere and couldn't, couldn't find anybody. And good so, call. uh, we finally, we were finally able to talk you guys into it. So I appreciate that. Um, no, I mean, I've had, uh, I've had, uh, Rankin, you've been on the show before, um, of Torsha Talk podcast and, um, you did really good because usually the ones that get the most listens to, uh, we try to get those people back on the show again. Um, so you did a good job. Paul, is this your first time? No, we had you. that's right. We had you on. That's right. You didn't get any listen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, I know that you don't have a lot of time. I'm just taking shots while, uh, I know you didn't have a lot of time today, so uh, let's jump in. I'm not worried about if people um, aren't here, we'll post the video as soon as it's over. Uh, but uh, as you guys know, I'm going to lay some groundwork. Um, thank you for joining the panel discussion. Uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about some of the things going on on the manufacturer side and um, what you guys are dealing with, uh, what dealers can expect, and why some things might be happening and and Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, so I'm going to jump right in. Uh, question number one for Rankin. Uh, where are we going to get, uh, where, we're going to get right into it. Normal questions here. What part are you seeing shortages on? Well, hey, Ryan, thanks for having us. Um, you know, Service Spring, we're always excited to uh, get a chance to just communicate uh, to our customer base. And so we think that communication is super important. So we're excited to do something like this. So I appreciate you having us. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's a tough topic. Um, shortages are everywhere right now. Uh, I'll just maybe talk and hit on some of the big ones that Service Spring is seeing. Uh, number one, we'll start with Springs. Obviously, that's what uh, we get into the most. And, and uh, people just can't get enough of them right now. And so I just I want to talk about some of the things or factors that are causing those delays and issues. Um, starting with number one, uh, about a year and a half ago, before things started to really get crazy with COVID, 
uh, American Springwire ASW actually pulled out of the market. So one of the largest uh, suppliers in the overhead door industry for Springwire uh, pretty much said, hey, we're not going to make wire anymore. So that kind of naturally put a put a bit of a shortage of supply in the market to start off and then COVID hit. And, and once COVID, uh, you know, started, we, nobody really knew it was going to happen. I mean, most folks thought things were really going to slow down, but maybe they did for a few weeks and then our industry just kind of took off like a rocket. So uh, we're, we're seeing just uh, an unprecedented amount of demand. Uh, you know, I know Paul's been in this industry forever and I'm going on, you know, 18, 19 years myself. And I've never seen a demand in the industry like this. So naturally there's a shortage because just so many folks need product. Um, on top of that, we've got the transportation industry that continues to be a tremendous challenge. Uh, Paul deals with this a lot, I know, but the trucking industry is just, it's, it's a nightmare. Uh, I've, I've heard a statistic that there's maybe a hundred loads for every one driver available to take those loads. So it is really hard on manufacturers to get products steel from one place to another. Even our suppliers are telling us, hey, I can't get the steel from uh, you know, the people that are making it to where they you know, produce our raw materials to make springs. And it's so bad that folks have uh, trucking scheduled and the day that they're you know, scheduled to pick up that truck, they'll never show up. And basically what's happening is they get a better, better offer and they'll go ahead and take that other load and you're pretty much out. And that happens all the time. Uh, you know, scrap prices continue to soar. And so that, that really creates hoarding within the market. You know, all springs are made out of a scrap-based oil-tempered uh, wire. And the people that own the scrap are basically saying, hey, I see the price continuing to go up. So I'm not going to sell this month. I'm going to sell next month. And so they continue to wait to try to time the market so that, you know, they can get the most for the scrap. And what that does is create even more of a shortage right? and cause that price to continue to go up even further. And so that's, that's, that's really tough. And, you know, the demand on springs, it creates a demand on cones. So you're seeing, you know, the fittings on the end of springs, same problem, uh, just not enough of those there as well. Uh, so that's that, that's probably the biggest one, and so the springs have been very very difficult uh, to keep up with all those things going on. And you know we're as a manufacturer on an allocation right now from our suppliers, so we only get so much. We'd love to call them and say, hey, can you send us more wire so we can make it and make more springs for folks? But we just can't. And so um, I think all the manufacturers are struggling with those those kind of same issues. Uh, lubricants have been huge. Um, you know, anything in an aluminum can, even if you're Pepsi and Coke right now, they're struggling to get aluminum cans. And so we see a lot of the spray lubes and things. We're out of most, um, all of those. And then when we get a little bit in, they're sold out, you know, within the next couple of, a couple of days. And so a huge aluminum can shortage. And I think most of that is because, you know, people were putting disinfectants in aluminum cans for the past 18 months you know, and, and really starting to fill those as much as they could with uh, cleaning products, you know, the Spartan chemicals and things of the world that are, that are using up those aluminum cans for this new purpose. And so that leaves our industry kind of in a bind because the people that make the, the spray lubes don't have the cans to put it in. So that's been tough. And then lastly, I would just mention the long products. 
you know, your perf angle, strut, track, you know, these sort of things, any operator rails, things that are, you know, over seven, eight feet long. Most trucking companies from an LTL standpoint are saying, hey, we're done picking that stuff up. The trucking industry is so busy that, and they're struggling to get dock workers. And when you try to ship that stuff, and, and Paul knows this, man, it gets destroyed. And so they basically just start saying, you know, we're done. And so we'll call them and try to schedule a shipment uh, for some track or some angle. And, and they, they literally won't pick it up. So that's been a huge challenge in creating shortages for folks uh, that need those longer products. And everybody does. Many things in our industry are long. And so we've tried to solve that by delivering more out of some of our locations and then allowing people to pick up where they can. Uh, but man, we've depended on LTL for years. And so that's made things uh, very difficult. So that's that's probably the top three that we're seeing right now, Ryan, as far as the, the shortages and, and maybe a little bit of color there on, on what we're seeing at Service Spring. All right, so you mentioned um, some of the reasons why some of those I hadn't really heard before. So that's great. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that I would like to um, ask you is what parts exactly are you seeing shortages on? And before you answer that, I do want to make a statement too. I was told that there's so many things being shipped right now that uh, most of the shipping companies have warehouses spread out like all over the country. So um, what they do is they take that and they put it in a warehouse and then they try to get a bunch of stuff, put it on a truck and send it somewhere else. But those yeah. warehouses are full. So they're literally not accepting any more packages to those where some of those warehouses. So uh, you're in a position where those warehouses are completely full and um, it's just, uh, it's not a good scenario because they're rejecting shipments now. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, to get a little more specific, I don't think you're looking for part numbers, but you know, smaller wires, people that use anything probably 207 below that, uh, smaller wires, the, the wire companies just aren't making those right now. You know, they're trying to get the biggest bang for their buck with their capacity. So they're running, you know, the two, 218 and above because that's where they really get the weight and volume out. Um, to your point, Ryan, the LTL uh, areas are, they're, they're packed. And so we're hearing it from the RNLs, the SDs, the, um, you know, the XPOs. They're basically what they do is they collect as many orders as they can. They put them on a, they take them to one of their warehouses, they put them on a common truck and then send them somewhere else to, you know, go out for delivery. Well, they only have so many spaces on those trucks. So many times, you know, we'll have 25 orders sitting here ready and they'll say, ah, we can take 10, 12 of those orders and the rest we'll get tomorrow, maybe. And it just it depends how much room is on their LTL truck that they can actually pick those up. And that's so tough because as a, as a supplier, you're making promises to your customers. Hey, this is ran, it's done, and this should go out tonight. And you should see this within a day or two, whatever that delivery date is. And then it doesn't get picked up. And it's like, oh man, you know, so we feel like we're failing the customer again. And, and so it's really difficult. And so we're trying our best to communicate those things when they happen. But it's sometimes a game time decision of will that pallet physically fit on that truck? If not, we've got to pull it because we don't want those things getting mixed um, or partially shipped. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Okay. So um, I've heard 
things are on shortages, everything from springs to cones. It's not the springs, it's the cones. It's not the cones, it's the springs. It's the, it's, uh, it's, wait a minute, it's track. It's, uh, no, it's the aluminum uh, styles. And no, wait a minute, it's not that at all. It's the torsion tubes. Like, I've heard so many different things. Yeah. Is it all of the above? Is it certain ones that we continue to see the issues with? What do you see being the biggest issue? Um, I'm not trying to have like everybody rush to go order whatever you say, but I, I, I I'm a little afraid of that too. Yeah, so, I, we get it. No, it, it, it's so it's it's a lot. It's a little bit of everything, and um, you know the most common things we're seeing is there's not enough spring wire to manufacture the spring, and then cones are spotty. They come in and out. Remember, many of the cones that come into the United States come in via uh, the ocean. And if you guys know anything about the ports right now, they are slam packed with ships just circling, waiting for their turn to get in and get unloaded. And so what used to take days is sometimes taking weeks or even months to get a ship that's just been sitting in LA or sitting out, you know, and pick your port. Um, and it's, it, that has become a huge issue. There's not enough dock workers. Um, they had a huge kind of spike in COVID uh, cases where it pulled off half the dock workers for a while. And the way the global supply chain works is as it starts to get backed up, there is no capacity to, uh, you know, just, just hurry up and get caught up. There's the human capital isn't there uh, to make it happen. So many of those products that we thought, man, we were fine, we're ordered two, three months in advance forget about it. They're not showing up and they're not getting there. And so many of our suppliers even are dealing with that. And so it's a global issue and uh, that we still have not even come close to catching up from that, you know, backup that happened with COVID. Okay. That was really good information. Thank you. Ryan, for one of the parts that is coming up, that's going to be hard to get is going to be solid shaft. Okay. to be in the next Hang on one second. service spring 500 <laughs> solid shaft. No, I'm just kidding. You know it's happening right now. You know it's everybody's gonna go do that. Um, all right, Paul, I've got a question for you. Let's talk about price increases. Uh, I've been pretty vocal that I think garage doors are super cheap and probably need to come up in price a little bit. For those of you guys who don't know me, I, I talk about that quite a bit. Uh, I feel like our products are cheap um, and it sets a standard. So I want to raise that bar. However, uh, I didn't want things to go up like this. So uh, I'm not familiar with Hawes and your increases because I'm not a dealer and I don't get your emails. Um, but uh, if I'm reading some of these increases, emails uh, correctly, I'm, here's what I'm gathering. Um, we now receive price increases without any grace period, which makes it really tough, especially at the amount that we're getting. Uh, AMR just sent one out for 14.3% with no notice. Um, you know, if we had failed to order all of our doors in time, that would have been added to those orders and that's a costly mistake. So now we're having to like put processes in place where we order doors the exact moment that we close them, which is good. Um, but that's additional stress on our team. Uh, if suppliers are short on parts, um, we have to pull those parts from inventory where we're already having a hard time getting parts. Uh, and then I believe I even read, um, one of the letters that if a door is not delivered by a certain date, that the increase that just went out will be applied to it. 
Uh, so one thing that we're, we're not even in control of when it's shipped, uh, but there's, now there's no incentive to ship them on time because if they wait just an extra couple of weeks, uh, then hold it or whatever, they're going to get another, you know, percentage. Uh, so how are dealers supposed to sell a product when we don't know how much we're buying it for and how are we supposed to quote it? How are we supposed to deal with the, the ordering? Uh, we're having to, we're having to increase our processes, trying to hire people to handle all these processes. And so it's, it's, we're all running around probably like you guys, but give, give me some, give me some hope on how are dealers supposed to handle and sell products when we don't know how much they're going to cost. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard right now. And I, I fully get it. I mean, uh, we start by saying it, I've been a door dealer, you know, my, my family still, uh, I have two brothers and a sister still installing garage doors and, and turn the wrenches every day and, and run a great company. Uh, so I've been there, I've been in their shoes. Um, it is, it is really hard. Um, the, also, the other part of this is we're, we're reacting as a manufacturer. I can only speak for Hostor. We're a small manufacturer. Um, you know, we're, we're a family business. And we, to set the record straight, I know Rankin really well. Um, I, I don't call Rankin and ask him, what are you doing with pricing? And let's get pricing together. Um, that doesn't happen. I know probably somebody at every one of the door manufacturers. Um, I've been in the industry a long time. A lot of friends of mine are with other companies. Nobody is in contact with other manufacturers and, and doing something uh, jointly. Uh, it's, it's not a, uh, an us versus them scenario. And I believe that. And I just want to interject real quick with that. Um, if you guys were coordinating prices, that is exactly against the law um, by means of the antitrust. Yep. So there's been some allegations on Facebook that you guys are all like sitting in a room writing letters together. And that's not, I don't don't think that's true. Um, So yeah, I I see how much competition is between you guys. I don't think you guys are talking at all, to be honest with you. Um, So you guys, like most of them won't even talk to us. So I seriously doubt you guys are talking. Yeah, and, and this is this is a really hard time because as we look at, you know, for our manufacturing and, and our pricing, uh, it, it is crazy. We, we can go with the word allocation and Rankin brought that up earlier and how he was hit with the, you know, the, the spring wire, all the class two wire. Uh, he, he was put in allocation. Then he had to allocate to his customers. Well, we were also a customer. So we're normally buying truckloads worth of material and now we're on allocation. Um, there's been many, many, many price increases behind the scenes uh, for door manufacturers. Um, the chemicals that go into all the urethane, uh, everything that was hit in the, in the Gulf, you know, that, uh, that winter, that spiked a scenario of problems and, and the ability to get chemicals for a short period of time. But uh, with that, like anything else, uh, every product that we have, there's been a, that we put into our garage doors to make them. Every single product from steel on down has not only had a price increase, multiple price increases, but there's been allocation of product for one reason or another. Uh, we started off at having a problem with glass because our main supplier on glass just just like ASW pulled out of the wire business for Springs, uh, this glass company just pulled out and uh, and went belly up and sold. 
So there, there goes almost everybody in the industry was using with that supplier for glass in one way, shape or form and another. And here you got to jump and you have to do whatever you can. 2020 and 2021 has been all about survival. Uh, we really have to jump too and, and get whatever we can. You know, in the beginning, it was price increases. And, you know, we would try like anybody else, push back a little bit and hey, really, do you have to have a price increase? What else can we do? Then it became, okay, we don't even talk price anymore because it's always, it's always going up. Um, we just want product. So you're saying, yes, just, just take it. And because of that, you know, our pricing on our end has been every single day, another part is another increase. Um, it, it's been very hard to, it's been so fluid. So how do you pick a point? Uh, we would have loved to be able to step back and say with the increases, everyone hates getting a bunch of little increases. Um, you know, in hindsight, maybe that was a way we should have gone uh, from the get go is just a whole bunch of little price increases. Um, but that, that would have gotten to a point where it'd be many times over. And I, I don't know if that's something everyone would like or, or not, but we tried to look at all different things. And by the time you pull the trigger, that's why all these increases you're seeing now, everything is up and, and steel is up over a hundred percent, you know, the main part into a product. So how do you sell today? Uh, cautiously, but the great thing about garage doors uh, right now is there's not many building products at all in the in North America that you can still get purchased this year and even get it installed this year. Uh, I mean, tell me one. I, you can't get a, a front door or a window or roofing. Um, so the garage door can still be purchased today and installed today. That's a phenomenal feat right now in the mess that we have in front of us still getting out of this pandemic. That, that's, I, I love that for the garage door industry. So I'm not hearing that with roofing because I've got a roofing client from a marketing company. They're saying the only thing they have trouble with is certain colors, but they're still being able to produce workflows are still the same. They're pumping and going. I don't know if it's because of their volume or what, but they don't seem to be having a problem. I uh, also have HVAC companies as clients. They seem to be doing pretty well. Um, I know some of the issues that they're having right now is uh, not only you have your normal demand, but they just discontinued, um, I think, the ability or are about to discontinue the ability to use the um, uh, Freon that's really popular that was in a lot of the HVAC systems. So they're not allowed to inject that Freon back into those systems anymore. So people who have perfectly good HVAC systems are having to replace them because the, the Freon, Freon won't work in them. So uh, so they're having they're having your, your increased, uh, not only just demand from COVID and people trying to do that, but they're having to replace a ton of units because of the issues that they're having with the Freon and the new Freon, I guess, is more economically friendly. Um, so you're having that increase, which is probably doubled what they were already at, uh, which was higher than the years before. Um, and then you have the metal issues um, and copper stuff. So when it all boils down to it, uh, however, they seem to be managing it a lot better than us. Um, so when I talk to HVAC companies, um, the just overall, I feel like it's being handled a lot better. I don't know if that's because like there's maybe they were more prepared or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, you know, something that you said earlier about like uh, 
ASW and the the glass company, if everybody's getting everything from the same place, if something happens, I mean, I think the one lesson we can learn from this is, you know, you always have to have a plan B. Um, you always have to have multiple suppliers. I've been preaching since I got into business, you know, I, you guys may know I, I buy from everybody. <laughs> like, I mean, Haas, if they opened it up to me, I'd probably buy some Haas doors. Um, you know, I, I buy from, I've got like resi suppliers of doors and parts. I think I buy from about 10 of them. Um, everybody does something different. Great. Right. Um, service springs makes phenomenal springs delivered quickly. Great customer service. So if I need that, I go there, but uh, they may not do something as well as another parts company. So I may buy those parts from them, but if I can get it cheaper shipped on the same pallets, I may buy those from service spring doors. I sell a lot of high-end doors. So I may buy my, my full views from armor light or my wood doors from ranch house and my, this from here and that from there. And so um, I, I'm a big believer in kind of making sure you have uh, diversity and the ability to go where you need it. Um, and so I know for a while, like I got a lot of friends of mine who are like, man, if you just stuck with one manufacturer, you have a lot of perks. Well, I'm glad now that I have it because I have all these accounts that I can order doors from. Uh, but I do also understand the importance of that relationship where you're sending a lot of volume. Are manufacturers starting to one appreciate dealers who aren't giving them exclusive business, and two, are you guys starting to build a a book of um, vendors for specific things where maybe you only had one or two before? Hey Ryan, how's it going? Good man. How are you, Roman? Doing great. I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know how grateful I am that Somer has been a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Yeah, fifth season already. We've had four really good seasons and a lot of good success for us. That's great to hear. At this point, though, I think everybody's pretty much heard of you guys that follow the podcast. What do you think we could say to make your ads stand out for season five? Well, I think we've been working really hard on customer service, making sure that our team and everyone knows all the technical things they need to know to make sure we get uh, the best and quickest service to both homeowners and dealers. Um, we've also been putting a lot of stuff out there to improve product knowledge so that customers know how to, or so that dealers and technicians can know how to troubleshoot or know, you know, what all our operators are capable of, because there's a lot of stuff, even stuff that's not in the manual. And, um, we're continually improving the product. We've had a couple of new software releases in the last year. Um, we're continually adding additional accessories and we've got some even new operators in the pipeline that we're excited about. So you guys got a lot going on. That is great. Am I allowed to talk about how awesome you guys have been through all the shortages and price increases? You guys have been like steady Eddie. Like you didn't skip a beat. No quality issues to my knowledge or anything. Well, summer is a German company. You know, we, we do things slowly, but we we try to do them well. That is super true. You guys have a great team and I am so thankful and proud to have you guys as a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Hey, Torsion Talk family, if you haven't tried Somer yet, I challenge you to reach out and start a conversation today. Not only is the product great, but Roman and his team are super knowledgeable. I can call him and troubleshoot or just ask advice because he's been in my shoes. If you're ready to chat with the team at Somer, call 877-766-6607. 
Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you too are cool. All kidding aside, Schweiss makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, check them out first. As a matter of fact, bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B-I-F-O-L-D.com. And two, are you guys starting to build a a book of um, vendors for specific things where maybe you only had one or two before? Absolutely, Ryan. I mean, that's the glass example. You know, we have seven glass vendors now because yeah, we, ha- we have to. And, yeah. and you start building a relationship uh, with one of them and you think it's going to go somewhere and, and maybe move more product. Like you said, somebody does something really well, you start going there and then you realize, okay, maybe that wasn't the right choice. We're going to move around. That's what we've been doing with every single commodity uh, across the board. We've, you know, we've had to change uh, our way of you know, buying product uh, on a regular basis. And the, you know, this year is just different because even, even when you have an you know, agreed upon scenario, it changes and, and, you know, Rankin made an example where, Hey, you know, truckers are not touching anything long anymore. You know, anything that's long, they don't want to touch it. They don't want it in their truck. Uh, when everyone's so busy like this and you're slammed, then you can only try and do the 80% of the business that you want to do. And so the hard stuff, that's why we had to discontinue different types of glass and the higher end stuff because you can't get anyone to make it. Right. Uh, because they, they can only concentrate and do certain things. And that's one example of a whole bunch of commodities that all go into the garage store that every single one of them is like that. Uh, there's hundreds of scenarios to go through every single day uh, and it, everything changes every day. And we have to deal with even the material coming to us that when you get it to your doorstep before we even take and, and get the product is, Oh, by the way, that's a new price and you can not accept it. And that, truck can roll on and it'll, it'll sell that product somewhere else, or you can accept it and take the new price. And that's really, it's tough. I mean, yeah, that's that, and that, that affects the timing too. I just, you know, to add to what Paul's saying, everybody says, man, I wish I had some heads up on these price increases. And gosh, we'd love to give people more heads up on price increase. Trust us. And we usually do that years past. But the problem is when you have a order book that's starting to stack up, and, you know, whether toss or service spring and you're weeks and sometimes months out and, you know, you're, you don't have the raw material for those things you're going to make a month from now yet. And oh, by the way, you have no ideas of manufacture what that raw material is going to cost a month from now. Right. So that's where, you know, we get into these. Oh, my gosh. Like you guys change the price that day. It's like, well, this is the day the price changed. So everything that doesn't ship before that is is on this new price because we're paying it to make that stuff right now and that's what's so difficult typically our suppliers in the overhead door industry is like hey 
a month from now, you're going to see a price increase or, you know, 60 days, 90 days. Right now it's, hey, next Tuesday and, you know, or, hey, three days from now or effective immediately. We're seeing the same things you guys are seeing. And that's what causes the trickle down effect of, hey, everybody's experiencing the urgency right now. And we, you know, in, in this idea that we have, you know, all of this raw material on the floor right now that can absorb some of that timing, it's not there. You know, we, we get a truck of wire in, it goes out typically that same day. So we, we have almost zero uh, raw inventory at the old price, at so the day that it hits. So. I, I, I'm, this is a topic I want to spend a little bit of time on because yeah. I'm a little bit frustrated. So if we, and I'm not taking it out on you guys, so don't take it as directional frustration. Right. It's all right. It's why we're here. We're in this together. Right. So, so I'm just going to express it. And if, if you guys feel my frustration, it's not you guys. Uh, but, but I think there's a better way to handle it. It's like I gave the analogy earlier. If I go to Burger King, okay. And I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, Hmm, all right. I want a number one for $8. Okay. Uh, and, and by the time I get to the thing and they give me my food, they say, Hey guys, man, I'm sorry. It took a really long time to make your burger and you've been sitting out here for a while, but since you've been here, the price of the burger, we changed the menu on you. It's now $10. So you got to pay me two more dollars for me to give you your sandwich. Now, now that's what you guys are dealing with. Right. But that's also what we're dealing with. But here's the thing we're dealing with one-time customers in a lot of cases. And, and even sometimes repeat customers, but you guys have us, right? So you guys are going to continue to sell product to us. So my suggestion is, especially when it comes to once we've made the purchase, you, you should, you know, all manufacturers should lock in that price if we've already made the purchase. Now, if your prices change, I think what you should do is accelerate your increases um, but it shouldn't affect what's already been purchased. And then from there, uh, if you need to continue raising prices afterwards or keep them up a little longer to recuperate, then I think that that's a good idea. And I'm okay yeah. with that. I think with a, yeah, let me, let me real quick, Paul, where that logic breaks down, Ryan, is let's go back to Burger King and the guy in the front of the line says, I need 1 million hamburgers. And you're the 25th guy in line and they have 10,000 hamburgers in the back. Basically, what happens is if we honored pricing the way you're suggesting, everyone, and why wouldn't they, just place the next six months worth of orders today? Well, I'm okay with limiting the guy to five burgers. Like, I don't actually have a problem with that if that's what he orders every single time, right? And, and I get it. If a guy normally orders 20 doors a month and then comes to you and wants 500, I understand. Tell him no. That's fine. No big deal. It's a great business idea. No, everybody would be stupid not to, to go out and take a 5% loan with SBA and buy $200,000 worth of doors and lock in the savings on simple interest, right? That's a no brainer, Right. but I get it. And you guys are smart for saying, Hey, listen, no, because I'm going to piss off, you know, 90% of my clientele for you. And that's not worth it to me. So I'm cool with you guys telling people that they got to limit their orders. I think that that's smart. I think it's the best way to combat it. You slow leak everything out, try to keep everybody at a, at a even pace. You know, maybe the bigger dealers can purchase a little more than the smaller dealers, but in the grand scheme of things, 
that's not all that's happening. Like the letter that we recently got from another manufacturer was basically saying that no matter what you buy this door at before this notice went out, if we're unable to deliver this door by September something, then this price increase will take effect into the orders that you made. Now that's bullshit to me, excuse my language, but that's frustrating because I have no control over your processes and you know your your ship dates and all that right so i already sold the door for for this price it was locked in with the manufacturer i made the purchase we agreed on the price and i bought the door this is a one single door i'm not talking about a bulk order i'm talking about like you know we sold it to a customer maybe it's an 18 by 7 now if i'm at a 45% profit margin and then i get a 14% hit on that and whatever else they choose to add to it that's going to go sideways for me real fast. Yeah, so you've just described exactly what we do, Ryan. We have everyone on an allocation. The And I can only speak for Service Spring here. Uh, again, I can't speak for the whole industry, but the price we book at time of order is the price you pay. And so, and then we try to communicate as much as physically possible and let people know, hey, and in, more increases are coming. They've been consistent. We've seen them every month this year so far. So just continue to expect that for now until we say, hey, we, we're starting to see things calm down, which we're not. Uh, but it, that's exactly what we do. We set an allocation, say, hey, you only get the five hamburgers and here's the price. By the time we get a view, that's what you're going to pay. Now, again, I, I can understand the challenge uh, from the other scenario you're painting, but again, that's not Serve Springs model yeah. at all. So I would just ask that you guys not follow that model because I think sometimes, <laughs> yeah, we'll avoid that. Yeah. So if you guys can avoid that, then I'll, I think we can end this conversation because I don't think that's a good way of doing business. And it's probably going to lose a lot of, uh, of customers and, and pos quite possibly could turn into lawsuits, but that's just me. I think that's going to be a problem. Well, um, I think that the recommendation I would have again, and then not that we're solving the problem, but it's if, if you can't, you know, if you have no idea down that far down the road, then maybe it's not best to take those orders at that time. And that's, that's, what's tough too. You know, the dealers want manufacturers to say, Hey, we're done taking orders. Do we just stop for a while? And that that's challenging as well, because, you know, if I don't take the order, then it doesn't get in line then I don't know you need it. But the challenge is, Hey, three months from now, when you start talking September for a door, uh, what is the price going to be then? No one has any idea. So I, I see I see both sides from the complexity standpoint of, wow, how difficult it is to manage that. Uh, because the thing is, too, if, if let's say we go and sell out all our capacity for September today in June, and it's three times more expensive then than we thought, we'll go out of business. And that, that company will go out of business. And that's, that's not what you want either. You don't want a bunch of less door suppliers out there. So yeah. somehow we've got to solve it as a group. Um, and so, like I said, service spring is, is kind of gotten into the rhythm with allocations and then honoring those prices, but who knows what the future is going to hold as far as that goes. And I think as an industry, that's a real challenge. And I, I have a lot of empathy for both sides of that equation. Yeah. And, and I think I applaud you guys. Like, I think you deserve credit. You've handled this whole thing like a champion. I'm super impressed. I mean, Craig's my rep. I'll give him a shout out because, you know, I uh, I talked earlier. We did a podcast episode with Jim McGrath. That's not live yet, 
but we were talking about how hard it is to get a hold of some of your sales reps right now. But I swear every time I text or call Craig, no matter like he even was like, text me back. I'm at my grandkids birthday party. Can I call you later? And I'm like, yeah, bro. Sorry. It was Sunday. I was just making sure uh, I wasn't expecting you to call me today. You know, uh, so he's been Johnny on the spot and you guys have been great um, for everything going on. Like you guys just seem like you're kind of like in stride and doing a good job. Uh, so I'll give you kudos there. Halls, I don't have a clue, but here's what I will say. I'm going to transition into this. Um, I think controlled um, controlled selling is important. Um, I'm, I feel like the companies like Hawes who are kind of selective and who they sold to, controlled growth, things like that, that's really paying off right now. And you're probably looking really smart from an outsider's perspective. At least I think you are. Um, because no one saw this coming, but probably the companies like you, like Hawes, are able to handle this significantly better than the Clopays and Amars of the world who kind of sell, like are the mass leaders. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit and um, talk about how that's affected y'all? Yeah, you're right, Ryan. We, you know, we are a little more selective in what we do and how we do it. And that has helped us because we, we don't go after new business. I, I get calls every single day. You know, hey, I want to be a host dealer, and you know, we we knew going into this when we saw the volumes taken off that it's probably not smart to even bring on any new customers because it affects then your existing customers. And when we saw lead times going out, we wanted to make sure that we did everything we could, you know, for the dealers. And yeah, that's that's the one of the main reasons, and it, that has helped us. But uh, we we fell victim to you know everything the. And I'll keep going back to the word allocation because we can only produce door manufacturers today can only produce as fast as we get the materials in. We are limited in what we can produce. We actually are producing less than we actually can because we are in line with our suppliers. So as the steel comes in and as the chemicals for the urethane and as the glass and as all that stuff's coming in last minute, we actually hold our trucks because we are still putting things together. Now we do manufacture differently. Uh, at Haas, we, we manufacture the door that's on order, gets manufactured, wrapped and in a truck. So it's, it hasn't been touched when it gets to you. I think that's you should, while your trucks are waiting, you should let uh, my man right here borrow a couple so he can send us some tubes and struts. <laughs> we'll take them. And, it, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's packed and, and stacked and out the door. And, but we've, you know, we've waited to the last second because we, we are tied to that slow production. Um, now, again, it's something that, that Haas does. We do it a little differently. So we don't do mass production and do, you know, 2 million linear feet of, you know, tan on Tuesday. And, we don't run like that. So that, you know, has helped us, but also we are, we are hamstrung and the entire industry is, and that's why lead times are so far out. You, you know, there's nothing that anyone can do as a manufacturer to get stuff faster uh, with allocations. You're, you're not getting it. So with and, garage doors, I don't think a lot of people understand this. I've been, it's been explained to me, so I get it. But before it was, I didn't understand. You guys have uh, a line and you run doors down that line and in order to do a different color if i understand it right maybe some people do it different you have to shut that line down and then you have to change the 
paint, right? Start it back up, run all the doors that you have for that color, shut it down, do the next one. And that's a process, right? Like, I mean, that, yeah, that it's sort of that, you know, we, we put stuff together. So you're not doing that, you know, every, every minute, but, um, yeah, that's a little difference. And, you know, we're able to, you know, mass produce, um, just differently. That's all. And okay. The again, the problem is with the allocation and, and all that, you're now producing slower, stuff gets pushed out and further on lead times, and then the pricing is skyrocketing every minute on everything. So how how do you hit a moving target to nail down that increase? And you know, what what happened with, with me, I put out that letter for a 22% increase, and you hated doing it. We've never had an increase like that. I've never seen, I said in an industry my entire life, I've never seen an increase like that. Uh, didn't, didn't want to do it. The problem was we're, you know, again, we didn't do enough little increases and all of a sudden it came to point where, hey, we got to do this. And then you have a, a moral situation uh, that you have to battle through is, well, we need it right now. And because there is a backlog of orders because of the lead times, if we put a price increase, it's not going to affect any of the stuff that we're making right now. It's going to affect all the stuff that's put out way before because what everyone wants to do is always beat a price increase. I get it. Like I said, I've been a door dealer. Uh, you know, I've been in those shoes and I've, I've written those orders to get in before a price increase. So you have, uh, you know, for us, a letter that went out and, hey, there's an increase. We tried actually to, to do little to no notice, which we hated. I, I hated writing that letter, but we were, we were caught with these increases that it, it's, it was crazy. Then what happened was we, you know, the orders came in, you know, we got months worth of orders in a day and a half months. I mean, enough to, to you know, go out through the rest of the year. And, um, that's crazy. Uh, it took a couple of weeks to, uh, I mean, our, our servers were, uh, almost breaking down, you name it, uh, was happening. And it took a couple weeks to go through and see how, how can we even produce this stuff? Um, so, so for, for me, I just sit there and, and, and kind of go back on my word and say, Hey, I, we have to have a price increase. Those orders that went in before we, we can't do it. And that's what every manufacturer is seeing is there's just, there's no way to get a, that again, we don't even know if we'll have the steel with allocation. Hopefully that's all lifted by then, but we don't know. And we don't know what the price is. Um, so we had to actually, all those orders that came in right before the price increase, which again, most people are trying to get ahead of the price increase. And I get it. Um, we, we had to go back and say, they're, they're getting the price increase. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll see. Dude. I mean, I think people understand that. That's not, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I'm running a big enough company, I've got analysts on, on staff who are kind of projecting and, looking at daily it's kind of like trading right like i did some crypto trading back in the day big fan of crypto in case you guys didn't know buy bitcoin um bull, so yeah. what say what you got it that's bull i, I just it's, it's kind of scary i, I, I love it it's freaking great i've made a lot of money off of it um so uh, bull. Bull yeah. <laughs> um so what what i what i feel like is you know, when things are hectic and things are, are going crazy with Bitcoin, I'm not looking at the six hour or the one day chart. I'm looking at the 15 minute chart, right? 
I'm looking at the one minute chart. I'm getting a little bit more granular because things are changing more quickly, more rapidly. It's unpredictable. So I'm thinking, man, these big corporations like Clopay and Amar and all these companies, they got to have like financial analysts or data analysts or purchasers. And instead of looking at a month or a week, I mean, they got to be looking at the stuff for the day and constantly be in communication with the suppliers and looking for other suppliers or whatever. And, and so it's hard, like, I just feel like it would be easier if we were to have increases every month, regardless, but it was timed, it was regulated. And even if you guys didn't get the increase, you're ahead of it instead of behind it or on it. Right. And so even if we're getting hit with 10% every month, I'm actually okay with that until you get a little bit far enough ahead to where you say, Hey, listen, uh, this month, we're not going to pass an increase on we're good. Right. Uh, but when we get like a 20% and then a 14, like a week later with no notice, and then it's like, Oh, by the way, if we don't get the product to you by September, we're also going to include this 14% by then that's hard for us. Right. We're like, what the heck dude. So if I, you're telling me if I order a door from you, and we don't know when it's coming in. It, I'm either going to pay this price or this price. Um, and so I feel like the, the, just the continuous, uh, like if you can create, uh, cause we may be dealing with this all the way through the end of 2021, it's very possible. So yes. could we not get on some type of like consistency where we can at least create something where we know what's coming and it's consistent and, I mean, if you guys get ahead a little bit, then you make some extra profit and then you start backing off just slightly, maybe a little bit. And then, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that's common sense from these big corporations who have all these financial analysts and stuff. Is that something you guys have considered? Is it something that you think we could coordinate? Uh, what's your question on that? Paul? Well, yeah, I'd just say, Ryan, um, you know, if anybody had a crystal ball, they'd be doing pretty good right now. Um, you know, as we went into the COVID season, to, to anybody that was sitting there, you know, when COVID first hit and was, you know, really hot and heavy, saying we're going to have the most incredible demand the industry has ever seen a month from now. And it's just going to, it's going to continue to fire like that. I told you, you were nuts. Yeah. And so I think most analysts said that, hey, we're, this is what's going to fire, you know, the next, um, you know, turn down or depression in the economy. And it, the opposite happened. And so I think most of the analysts were very wrong. Uh, the guys that make a lot of money uh, to study the economies were wrong. And so uh, we're, we're as manufacturers reacting to that, just like everyone else, and then dealing and dealing with the punches. But I think you've almost perfectly described what Service Spring has done is we have had a monthly increase um, as we get increases from our you know, suppliers, we try to consolidate those as much as possible. And then we've moved about once a month and, and they've been, you know, smaller and trying not to do too much at any one time. But at the same time, in, in Paul's defense, and I think a lot of the manufacturers defenses, if it stacks up, it stacks up. And when it hits, uh, you've got to cover that to stay healthy as a business. Or again, we can't pay our people and we can't keep things going and we need suppliers, you know, and there's just so many challenges that I think everybody's dealing with. And, you know, I think some of the big companies get a bad rap, um, but their complexity is just times a hundred. 
you know, and so you, you hear a lot more noise when, when they're struggling, but it's just because it's at such a magnitude that everybody's feeling and everybody's seeing it. it's very public. Um, and so I guess, you know, service spring and Haas being small family owned businesses, we've tried to do our best um, to, I think, communicate with folks and to stay ahead of those things. But it's, it's difficult, man. And, and uh, there's no silver bullet. And I, I'm learning every day. I'll tell you what. And I'd say Paul would say the same, but we're learning. Uh, this market is teaching us a lot of lessons that you just we've never been through. Uh, as a manufacturer, we've never seen. And, and I've talked to previous uh, owners and guys that are like, man, for 40, 50 years of being in the industry, I've never seen something like this. So to try to predict this and to get ahead of it, man, I wish as much as you're saying it, that we could do that, but it's, that's really difficult to do. So we're trying uh, and we're learning. I think we'll be smarter next time. Uh, but man, this is a unique time. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Paul, you got yeah. anything to add? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, there were a lot of analysts that said, and when we're talking analysts, you know, CNN and name any you know, news media that you like or dislike, uh, people were talking about the steel market just in general that the steel market for the beginning of this year was going to be a little high, but then it was going to come down. The steel was going to come down by Q2 because we'd be able to get uh, a lot of the steel domestically uh, because of everything that's been going on with the tariffs. Uh, a lot of the steel manufacturing was all going well here in the States and we'd get foreign product in um, from you know other locations by the end of Q1 into Q2 of this year. Well, as we all know, the ports are impossible. So that never happened. So if you were listening to the analysts and following the CRU index that you know has steel and everything to it that a lot of pricing is tied to, you would have seen people talking about how the price is going to come down. So as a company, we're sitting there going, okay, we again you look at what's what do you have in front of you and what's what's out in the future and to Rankin's point, no one predicted that it would just be skyrocketing this hard, this fast, and this long. Yeah, it's you know, and, and again, it, it may not slow down. It's you know, you know, I think a couple of you have seen the different posts. Um, you know, steel is up over a hundred percent, and you know, there's not a single steel manufacturer out there right now that's running at full capacity, and they're trying to catch up, but it may not happen. We we couldn't buy steel in some months. I mean, steel companies just were not taking orders. You could call them and say, hey, I want to place an order. And they're like, no, we're not taking orders for months. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Um, so I'm going to change it up and go to the next question real quick. Um, I've heard OSHA's placed some pretty strict regulations on manufacturing plants due to COVID. Is this true? And how has it played a role in you guys dealing with um, the current situation? For us, we've, we had to follow the CDC guidelines and make sure that there was safe distancing and safe workspaces now with, with COVID restrictions. So it definitely slowed down uh, on some areas, the efficiency. So the efficiency of, of being able to, you know, have a whole bunch of guys in a truck to load a truck is great and it's fast not with the CDC regulation. Uh, so it's, it's been hard. It's, it's all different parts of a line, all different parts of uh, loading products. Uh, it, it's, 
it's been tough and, and we'll see how we can get through this next stages as things get lifted here. And when it comes to manufacturing, I mean, the name of the game is efficiency, right? Exactly. I mean, you do the same thing over and over and you do as efficient as humanly possible. So when, when you have those wrenches thrown in, so I do have some empathy for you guys too, because I know that that's uh, really tough. So anything you want to add to that ranking? Cause I got a question. For yeah. You. I mean, it's just not always easy to spread people out like you want, like Paul's saying, um, and out of abundance of caution, a lot of times you're sending guys home because they may have been exposed or they may think. And so we had a lot of folks out uh, that didn't have COVID because maybe. And so you're kind of trying your best to shuffle the workforce and that, that machine may sit idle for a bit because the guy that normally runs it is just not physically here because his wife has COVID or, you know, whatever, someone in his family, he's feeling fine, but he goes home to his wife every night. So you can't let that come to work. And so we dealt with a lot of that. And so that was, that was very unique. Um, you know, typically somebody gets a cold or something, a lot of times they'll work through it. And if it gets too bad, they'll take a day or two off and you can kind of schedule that. And, you know, but when you got, you know, uh, a large number of people exiting, you know, just to try to make sure folks are safe, uh, that puts a huge strain on your production guys and the operations people, I think have done a phenomenal job getting through that. And I'll tip my hat to those guys every single day I can. Uh, but that is incredibly challenging. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of our dealers out there dealt with the same stuff. And, and as far as labor goes with that challenge. So it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. All right, Rankin. Do you see light at the end of the tunnel with inventory? Or, um, or are we seeing, uh, so I guess, are we seeing improvements? Is it getting worse? Is it staying the same? What's the temperature? Yeah, this this question I, I really asked to our um, supply chain manager, and they're they're kind of saying it seems like things have kind of become stable, as in we've gone as far into the hole as maybe we're going to go, but the problem is we're still that far in the hole. Yeah, and so we may not be digging deeper right now. We've kind of stabilized a bit, but we haven't started catching up at all. We're not rising at all. Um, you know, there's a couple things as you think about predictions as we move. And I think that's the million dollar question everybody on the podcast is asking is how long is this going to last? And, and when will we see some reprieve or relief from this? And, you know, there's a couple things that scare me. Um, number one is the infrastructure bill that's being looked at in Washington right now. Uh, you, you think about the amount of steel and labor it's going to take to put on trillions of dollars worth of uh, uh, new and different oh my goodness, bridges and things like this, um, that would be a devastating, I think, for, our, for most industries that are consuming steel and people and these sort of things. And, and so I feel like as a country, and I don't want to get political here, uh, try, I'll try to stay out of the weeds there, but uh, these are real impactful things that seem to be right on the horizon, potentially. Um, that's a major push right now by the uh, Biden administration to get that done. And I think we probably need some infrastructure things done. I know there's some things that have lagged, but boy, the pressure that will put on the country uh, in terms of supply and, and are we ready for something like that? Uh, boy, I, I, that scares me, honestly. And so I think if that was to pass in the next couple of months, that could extend this even further. Um, man, I, I really don't see this changing this year. 
And so uh, it's hard to make any prediction beyond that, but I think we're going to kind of be in this status quo that we sit in today, probably through the end of the year. And if you throw an infrastructure bill and things on top of that, I think that could very much be extended. Um, and I mean, look at the dollar right now. You guys buying gas, uh, filling your, your trucks up, you're buying lumber. Um, you know, if anybody's in the market to buy a home, good Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, but the dollar is not going anywhere near where it used to. And so that inflationary pressure that is continuing to come into the United States is a scary thing. And if that doesn't slow down, again, that's just going to continue to force pricing to adjust and try to keep up with that. And, um, and that, that, again, that there's no Bitcoin. real signs of that. <laughs> Maybe if we can get to a Bitcoin uh, uh, across the country and go to some sort of uh, different currency. But yeah, I, I don't know. So these are the things we're thinking about and talking about as an executive yeah. team and, and that we're worried about um, or we're trying to plan for. But it's just only so much you can do. Uh, if these things come, you know, and happen. So a couple things on that real quick. Um, El Salvador just passed a bill. Uh, they actually are accepting Bitcoin as a true currency for their country. So congratulations to them. There's another one that's about to drop too. Um, Pro Act. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Pro Act that the uh, that they're trying to pass as well. Talking about a huge impact on our business and other businesses as well. But the Pro Act um, actually passed, uh, but I don't think it's all the way through. Uh, I was just trying to find out where it's at in the process, but the PRO Act basically says you cannot have um, uh, 1099 contractors employed, like not employed, but working for your business for the primary purpose of your business. So for example, if I'm a garage door company, I can't hire a contractor to install garage doors. But if I, if I, uh, if I have a customer who says, Hey, can you do, uh, can you frame in my garage and then put the garage door in so we can subcontract the frame in, but we, we have to do the install ourselves. Um, that is going to be huge too, because I think what they're trying to accomplish is they want to raise the, 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 uh, job numbers. So it looks good on paper. And I think that's how they're trying to force to make that happen. But you're talking about crippling so many industries by eliminating pretty much uh, subcontractors. And then you have companies who aren't ready for that transition with payroll taxes and all that stuff and benefits and all of that. Uh, then looking at possibly having to take on that added expense when they weren't prepared for it. Dude, you're talking, if you combine that with everything else going on and then the infrastructure thing, uh, pr pretty critical right now with a lot of things going on. So I would say everybody should be uh, paying attention to all those things and making adjustments as needed. Um, all right. So uh, we don't know what the future holds. We're trying to do our best. Uh, Paul, I I'll give both of you guys the same question, but this is a little bit more relevant to Paul. And this is the last one we've got. Um, you have a brother that owns a door company. I adore him. He's awesome. He's a good dude. Um, what advice uh, would you or have you given him to help navigate these difficult times from your perspective? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I don't think it's going to get better. I think you're going to see July worse than June was. So that, that's, that's my take. Um, In what aspect as far as like door prices, availability of product or what? Availability of parts. Um, you know, it's, it's, all the components that go with the garage door, 
so many suppliers are just on the edge with just getting enough product in to get everything, everybody and their customer service. Uh, cable, for instance, um, you know, for, for months, we thought we were gonna run out of cable uh, that goes into every garage door, but it just, we just got enough. Uh, if any little thing slips, you know, we, we see a, a strike with drivers or you name it, uh, you know, rank up logistics is, is such a problem right now and such a hassle any little thing can cause all these parts just to not be available. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier with uh, the solid shaft, you know, one inch and one and a quarter inch shaft is going to be an issue coming up. And it's going to be hard to continue to get these products through July. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think July will be worse than we, we've seen in June. Um, and then hopefully it will settle. Uh, you know, we get, we get through that and we get to you know, August and September. And hopefully we, we see a turn then. But that's, that's, that's hard. And that's, you know, the advice I've talked to my family about is, is like, Hey, this, you know, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that means look at everything. Um, and, and don't apologize. One thing that you mentioned about, Hey, the garage door is finally getting to a certain level of prices. We love that. Um, you know, I've talked to a couple other friends of mine that are dealers and, you know, they're, they're happy to talk to their sales team and, and tell them to stop saying, hey, I apologize, this is a lot more expensive than it used to be. That shouldn't even be in the vocabulary because right. you know, I bought a fence this year. Um, I have three grandkids and I wanted to fence in the yard. They run, they run around and play a lot just for safety and security. We put a little fence in and my quote like was- Like a cage? <laughs> it was like a cage. That's why I would buy the fence. Effective. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, we were quoted, um, uh, again, $4,000. And when they came to do it, it was $8,000 and that all happened within six months. And I give them a lot of credit because they came out and said, this is what we think the price is going to be. And you want to sign up, you, you want to move forward? Yes or no. And you know, the new, new price is this, they didn't apologize for it, that, that this is reality. And I like that transparency, that transparency that worked out well for me as a, in a purchase. And that's what I shared with um, you know, my family to say, Hey, this is what I just went through. And I kind of like that. And, you know, the, the other was taking a look at other contracts, look at the late, the uh, lumber contract that you're, you're buying and, and getting the information from, because maybe you can use some of that verbiage because lumber is changing. You couldn't get lumber. You couldn't get that price. So how, how do they handle that? Um, you know, we, do not have the ability to hire lawyers and litigate all the contracts that we had with all of our suppliers when today they're still coming at us and saying, hey, here's the new price, it's on your dock, you want it, yes or no. We don't have a means to, to go back. No, no lawyer will take these cases um, because it's basically going through this pandemic, it's, it, it's impossible. So I don't think that, uh, like I told my, my siblings, you know, as door dealers, that yeah, that, that price may, may be subject to change and that may, that may happen. And the more you can talk about that and the more people want to move forward with you, they understand it. It's not the greatest time right now. It's, it's hard, it's surviving, absolutely. And you know, that's where I, I hate every part of that this year and for last year is that fluid piece of pricing and how to, how to handle that. Yeah, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Um, you mentioned lumber pricing. 
Um, you know, if you take a look at uh, NASDAQ, they trade lumber or they track the lumber prices. Um, you could see here 2018, we were around three, um, 2019 in the 400s, and then it dropped at the beginning of 2020. April dropped $259, which is the lowest it had been in a long time. So COVID dropped. Yep. And then it skyrocketed. You had everybody buying, fixing up stuff around their house, whatever. I heard brokers started buying stuff up here and holding it. As you guys had mentioned earlier, I think some one of you guys mentioned something earlier about people uh, holding on to material saying, hey, yep. if I just hold it for a month, I can sell it for 40% more. And, you know, I bought it at this number. So if I can just hold out, I don't care if I piss a bunch of people off. I'm going to make 40% more increase. And so then they started selling right here, right? And now look, lumber's back down to 800 and some change and it's dropping fast because I think a lot of the people, I heard that people were holding lumber, not releasing it. The brokers were buying it up and now they're selling it and it's dropping like a rock. So we got played a little bit. We got played by the rich people. Um, so unfortunately this is happening in a lot of different places uh, but I wanted to share that because, you know, uh, to validate what Rankin was talking about, I watched the lumber prices kind of seeing because we we trailed the lumber increase. I think they were like, oh, let's take advantage of this lumber thing. We see it starting to spike. And then all of a sudden you started to see all the analysts were saying that steel was going down. Then you started seeing it go up. And I think you had brokers say, oh, wait a minute, we can buy steel, hold it, and then release it when it's more expensive. And so I think you have hedge fund companies. I think you got a lot of rich people out of the brokers funding some of these things. So I don't know that that's probably a little bit conspiracy theorist, but Rankin mentioned that people are actually doing some of this um, suppliers to them directly. So this is actually happening y'all um, that people are holding on to material uh, just to, to uh, if just one month and, uh, and the price goes up and they can sell it on a, a more, I mean, imagine if we could just not sell any doors this month, all of us, and next month sell it for 40% more. This, we'd probably be tempted too, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Take the month right. off, huh? Yeah. Rankin, uh, you got anything you want to add before we jump off? Yeah, I would just say, you know, the last kind of message to dealers is, uh, you know, we're all in this together. And I think the thing that we're trying to do right now is get folks what they need, not always necessarily what they want. So that's kind of the tension that we're trying to live in at Service Spring. And so the thing that we would ask is folks just really kind of look at what is that need. Um, although you may want to have three months of stock of something so that, you know, you, you feel safe and, and, and have that in, in, in your trucks and in the warehouses, these sort of things. But I think if we work together as a group and understand, you know, folks that are coming in and hoarding products, because we see that, uh, I still see the post on Facebook and things like, oh, there's a shortage on this. And then they'll show a picture of like, you know, a thousand of them. And you're like, oh man, so that's where they all went, you know? <laughs> and so that, that's just, you know, that's not helpful for anyone. And, right. and so, and it's like, yeah, that's a two year supply for that individual. And it's like, well, eventually the supply chain will catch up. Yeah, and you're uh, but if high on it. yeah, you're well, and even if you're not like in the short run, nobody else has got what they need, and so you obviously can't use all of those, you know, this month, this week, whatever. And so I just, you know, caution people to try to try to just keep keep a you know steady mind and head about you, 
you know, try to get what you need and really kind of analyze as a business. Um, and it's forcing people, I think, to look at their buying patterns a little bit differently. The folks that used to buy maybe a couple times a year and try to get in, you know, bulk and take advantage of bulk pricing and these sort of things. That's just not the season we're in. Um, you know, we'd rather at Service Spring you place orders weekly with us. And let's just get into a steady flow with you of getting you what you need each and every uh, week. And that makes it more predictable for you and your team. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the smaller orders we can get out. um, The the trucking companies seem to handle them a lot better. They actually show up in one piece, these sort of things. So, again, that would kind of be the final message. And and, and we're trying to communicate as much as we can. And that's why we're coming here on this podcast to try to let people know we hear you. We know this is a crazy time. And it hurts us as much as you. We we're in this situation, like Paul said, we hate increasing pricing this often. I mean, uh, you know, Haas and Service Spring, other companies, we've gone, you know, six months to a year without a price increase and, and been perfectly happy with that and just conducting business as, as normal when pricing is stable. Um, so this, this is a, a whole new world. And so I have empathy again, like I said, on both sides of, of what's going on. And, and uh, so, yeah, just, just try to stay calm as much as you can and, uh, you know, keep it. Don't buy up all the toilet paper. Exactly. Right. That's, that's kind of the message. We all were on Facebook bashing the toilet paper people, but then the minute I said spring shortage, we're like, Oh my God. So um, listen, you guys are freaking awesome because one of my heart is to connect the dealer and the suppliers together communicate, have transparent conversation. I asked you guys some tough questions. There were a lot of people not willing to come on here because they, they were afraid for whatever reason. Uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. I believe that a lot of people who watch this are going to support your businesses, regardless if they're able to buy from you or not. Haas. Uh, but anyway, long story short, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys do a phenomenal job. I love your transparency, your willingness to support the industry. That's the key. You guys cared enough to come on here, put it, put all your junk to the side and be like, I'm going to take my Friday afternoon and hang out with Ryan and his team. Um, so super thankful for you guys. And listen, for everybody who's watching this, please, 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 please show your DCs, your manufacturers, some love, show these guys some love. They're going through a hard time too. Like we can't just push all of our problems off on them. Like we have to understand that, you know, I'm talking to uh, to one one girl who supports me. I've mentioned her name before, and you know, I, uh, I I just called her to tell her how thankful I am for her and how she does such a great job and blah blah blah. It couldn't hurt for you guys to reach out to your reps and just thank them for what they're going through because they're in the middle. Of, they're getting yelled at by guys, and you know, let's just show some love. Let's bring it together. Uh, so appreciate you, Paul Rankin. Thank you so much. You guys are doing a phenomenal job keep up the good work and um, listen for door dealers. If you guys are uh, looking for a safe place to be able to share learn and, uh, and equip yourself to be a better leader, we've got garage door. You, you can go to garage We're looking, we have a few more spots. It's little small groups of peers where we share and help lift each other up and uh, grow our community. Um, so if you're interested in that, check it out. Rankin, Paul, you guys freaking rock. Thank you so much for joining and um, I'll be in touch with you guys probably in the next couple months. We'll do another one of these and see where we're at. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. I'll take care. Yeah, you too.